Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. How many are so thankful to be in the house of God today? I am thankful to see your faces, to be here. Amen. There's no better place that I'd rather be than to be in the house of God. Amen. And if you're watching online, God bless you and God is with you and God sees you. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about a uh, topic that how, how many are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? We some of us may have grown up saying the Lord's Prayer, and I really want to talk to you about that because that is the model prayer that, that the Lord left for us. It's a model prayer. But uh, here I want to begin with uh, how many have ever been in a conversation with someone in a room, possibly, maybe at home, maybe uh, somewhere at work, and you're talking and talking, and all of a sudden you turn around and look, and that other person's gone, and you're just there talking to yourself. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You have seen that happen once or twice, right? And that's going to happen to everybody, regardless of whether you're married, single, whatever. But at times you feel also in prayer that nobody's listening. At times it can feel that God are you up there? Are you there? Do you hear my prayer? And there are going to be moments that all of us have where we experience that. But can I remind you today that our loving God cares for you and loves you so much that he hears your prayer? He heard it the very first time and even the 55th time that you've prayed that prayer. He wants to engage in a relationship with you, in a conversation with you, because Let's face it, prayer, and, and this is, I think, this is where people get off track. They feel that it's got to be these, these words, these special anointed words. And, and so because they don't feel that they have these special anointed words, the prayer doesn't come out. God doesn't want any of that. What he wants is for you to just speak to him. Amen. Just like you do to anybody else in your family, speak to them. Let them know. Let God know what you're feeling today. Let God know what you're experiencing. Did you know he hurts when you hurt? Did you know that he rejoices when you rejoice? Do you know that he cares for your ambitions? Even as selfish as they may be sometimes, he cares for you. And so it is important to realize that when we come to prayer, he doesn't want to hear about these big words that you can come up in the English language that some pastor used somewhere and you were impressed with some certain prayer and you thought, well, I could never pray like that. No, God wants what's in your heart and he wants you to just let him know what that is. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the question that each of us have to ask. How should we pray? What do we pray? And what words do I use? And I kind of touched on the words. The words are really what's in your heart. What is in your heart? Have you ever asked yourself those types of questions? How should I pray? And I would think that unless you're really focusing on prayer, you really haven't taken the time to ask yourself, well, how should I pray? It's just jumping right in. You know, here's the, here's the thing that we all do when we pray. Lord, we, we get on our knees and say, Lord, I want, I, I want this, right? And I always want to remind you, there is a, a process. When you enter into the king's presence, you don't just run up to the throne. 
You don't just run up if you're in Buckingham Palace, run up, hey, what's up, queen? It, it's, it doesn't go down like that, like that. There is a process, amen? And it is no different with our God. There is a process. You have to reverence him. He's a holy God, amen? And, and those are the types of things I want to look at today. How do we approach him? What, what does this model prayer that Jesus left us, what does it mean for you and I? Are we just supposed to recite it? Are we supposed to just say it because it's a beautiful prayer? Well, thank goodness he did leave us that prayer. But if you notice in your Bible, he didn't say, pray this prayer. He said, pray in like manner. Pray like this. And he gave us this great example. And I want to read, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, starting in verse 9, and I'm going to read through verse 13. But we have it up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 6, and listen to these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you left us a, a beautiful model prayer. And as we get into this today, I pray that, Lord, that first of all, that we would open our hearts, open our ears to receive your word today, that it might impact us on how we pray and, and how we should pray, Lord, to you. So, Father, I pray for your anointing, that it would fall upon each and every one today, that, Lord, that we would walk away from here today changed, that we would walk away from this place with a deeper understanding of how it is that we should pray and what it is we should pray. So, Lord, we give you thanks, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor, for it belongs to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 How many grew up like me saying that, just reciting that prayer, but not really knowing what the word stood for? Anybody else in here? I mean, there's a few of us that recited that prayer. And I can honestly tell you right now, I would recite that prayer, but there was no connection there. There was nothing from inside of me declaring something to God. I was just basically reciting, reading something or reciting a, 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 a it was just like a poem. Really? But it didn't mean anything to me at that time. Now, we know that the, the word of God declares that God cares for us. He clearly states that, that he loves you, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus left us this model prayer, to remind us of that. Regardless of what you've done in the present or in the past, God will take you and love you. Amen? God cares for you and loves you. And it's in this model prayer, because he cares for you, that Jesus touches on three parts about our being as human beings. He touches on the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. And you're going, Pastor Rick, I never, never realized that about the Lord's Prayer. Well, let me educate you today. So we're going to start off with our, our physical needs. Point number one. Notice how the, the prayer starts with our Father. Right away, Jesus makes it personal. Personal. Everybody say personal. personal. 
Now, you may not have had a loving dad growing up, but can I tell you today, you have a loving Heavenly Father that loves you and wants to embrace you and hug you and is proud of the person you are, the woman, the man that you are today. He loves you. And it's when we truly realize that, that we can enter into His presence and say, Heavenly Father. If you notice, when I pray a lot, I often say, Heavenly Father, because He's my Father. I have a biological Father, but He's my, my Papa, and, uh, and I have my Heavenly Father. One meets certain needs, and the other meets all of my needs. Amen? Amen. The Lord's Prayer is intended for believers, okay? Let's get that straight right now. When you are a believer, you can call him your father. You can't call my dad, my, my biological dad, your daddy or your papa, because he ain't your daddy or your papa. He's my daddy, my papa. But as believers, we can all call our heavenly father, father, papa. In Hebrew, Abba. And because of that, it's a personal connection with him. We draw into his presence by calling upon him as who he is, Father. You may not have had that Father on this earth, but let me tell you, our Heavenly Father wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to tell you today that he is proud of you as his daughter, as his son. The Lord allows each of his children to get to know this good, good Father that we have. We sing this song here uh, many times we've sung this, he's such a good, good father. Our earthly father may not have been that person. But our heavenly father will never fail you. He's a father that you can come to with any need. You don't ever have to fear him. He'll never reject you. He'll never tell you, I don't have time for you. He won't sh ever not show up. He'll be there when you call upon his name. That is the God that we love. That is the God that we worship. Amen? Amen. Knowing that he desires a relationship with you. To talk with you every day. I mean, you, hopefully in this world you have a, a good trusted friend. Or many good trusted friends that you can confide in. Maybe it's at church here. But just like you can't wait to talk to that person that you connect with. God Almighty can't wait to connect with you. Every day it's called prayer. It's a conversation between you and God. Amen? Now, the Bible describes this heavenly father in many terms. He's known as God Elohim, the creator God. He is Adonai, the Lord. We also know him as Jehovah, the God who keeps his covenant. El Elyon, the most high God. El Olam, the everlasting, unchanging God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Roi, the God who sees. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. And of course, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. The Lord will provide. See, God is known in many different ways, different terms, but he's your heavenly father. The scripture says in Psalm chapter 68 and verse 55, he's a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. He is for you, not against you. Amen. That is somebody that you can come to with anything. That is somebody that wants you to approach him. 
because he cares for you. It's personal. Amen. Everybody say our father. That is your father. Now say my father. That's who he is to you. That's who he is. The second point about our physic, how he meets our physical needs is the, the scripture says, the word, the, the model prayer says, hallowed be your name. What he reminds us there is that he is set apart. He is not like your trusted friend or like your biological dad. He is much more than that. He is set apart. The Bible describes God as a holy God. Sin cannot come close to him. That's why as unbelievers, we have to first repent. We have to say, Lord, forgive me before we can approach him. And once we do that, he enters into where you're at. But sin cannot be where he's at. He is hallowed. He is, he is set apart. He has an exalted place or dwelling in heaven. Amen. Father, may you be treated with the respect and honor that your holiness demands. That's what really our prayer should be. When we pray that, hallowed be your name. We're, we're indicating to him, Lord, you are set apart. You are a holy God. And I, I know I, I, I'm not perfect, but thank God he still loves you and I. Amen. Thank goodness that he still accepts us as his children because he is a perfect God. Now, while the Lord wants us to approach him as his children... He also desires that we always reverence and respect him. The church of God, the house of God, is a place of reverence. We should always reverence the presence of God in this place. It's a joyous place. It's a place to be with friends. But it's also a place of reverence, always, number one. That is why Jesus, if you remember in the New Testament, he gets to the synagogue one day and they're selling things out there. There's... There's uh, people selling things and he, and he gets over there and he overturns the tables. And he says, you've turned this synagogue, this holy place into a marketplace because it was a place set aside for God's presence. He recognized that. And he's trying to teach us this in this prayer that the name of God should be holy, set apart. Isaiah 43 and verse 15 the scripture says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. Amen. He is our God, our king, our creator. And then the third thing that he does physically uh, is your will be done. How often we go, as I pointed out, when we go to prayer, the first thing is, Lord, let my will be done. We, we bombard him with all of our requests. We bombard him with what we feel is the right thing to do, how, or how we would do it. You ever been that person where you pray something and you realize, and God answers that prayer, but he answers it in a whole different way than you thought he was going to do it? That's our God. He knows what's best for you and I. When we pray, pray this, let your will be done, Lord. Let your will be done. Say that with me. It just sounds so good. Let your will be done. Amen. All our prayers have to conform first to God's will. See, God has a perfect and pleasing will for each of you. The Word of God declares that. He has a will for you. And you may be here today, yeah, but Pastor Rick, I never thought my life would be at this place at this time. I know, but God has a plan. He still has a plan. Amen. He's not letting go of you. He hasn't let go of you yet, and he's never going to. Amen? Sometimes it can be tough because 
our prayers are so selfish. Sometimes because we pray selfish prayers and we don't see those selfish prayers answered, life can seemingly be tough. But if we would just learn to, to pray, Lord, let your will be done. Because do you know that at the end of the day, he wants what's best for you and I? He desires the very best for you. So if you can learn to pray, Lord, have your way. Let your will be done. He's going to bless you. I promise you, he's going to bless you. The Lord's Prayer is extremely important in this area because it'll take us away from our petty little desires. Now, again, don't get me wrong. He does want to answer your, the desires of your heart. I truly believe that. But if you pray a prayer like this, Lord, make me a millionaire. Help me to win the lotto tomorrow. And then that means you stop coming to church. That means you start giving of your time, your talents, and your treasures. And it leads you away from the house of God. Do you think that's God's will for you? Nope. No, of course not. Now, does that mean he doesn't want to bless you financially or physically or spiritually in some way? No. Keep praying that prayer, but it's got to line up with God's word. That's my point. It's got to line up with God's word for you, his vision for you. Lord, teach us to focus on you and not on us. I'm always reminded by uh, this pastor, and you've probably read the book, uh, by Rick Warren, and uh, the book is titled, What Am I Here For? What on earth am I here for? And the very first sentence in that book says, it's not about you. That's his very first sentence in the book. And he makes it a point. It's not about you and I. It's about the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Lord, teach us to pray. Part of that prayer is to always come to him and ask, God, let your will be done. Not selfish prayers first. God will in turn... So this is... Let me just show you how I do it. I just come and I always pray. And I, and I enter into his presence. I say, Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. And, um, and then I, I exalt him. I just say, Lord, I give you the glory. I give you the honor. You're worthy of all my praise. I just declare to him how magnificent he is. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is my king. He is my creator. And I spend a couple of minutes just doing that, just giving him the praise because I, I'm entering into his presence. I'm recognizing who he is. And once I do that, then I have permission now to request. I can't just barge in and say, Lord, I need a new truck. Lord, my truck has got 220,000 miles on it. And I've had it for 21 years and I need a new truck today. I can't begin to do that. I got to say, Lord, you're worthy. I, I got to give him his props, his due, amen? Because that's who he is. Lord, teach us to pray. Not selfish prayers, but pray in tune with and guided by God's will for our lives. Again, Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11, and I kind of reference this scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that is his desire for every one of you here today. Now, if you read Matthew, this chapter, and read before the Lord's Prayer, you'll cover the areas where the Lord is teaching us not to worry, to look at the field, the flowers of the field, and so forth, how, how he takes care of them. 
But we can mistakenly, with our prayers, worry about tomorrow instead of just today. Amen? God wants you and I to live one day at a time. Give me the peace today, Lord, that I need. I don't want to be stressed with tomorrow or next week or moving or selling or whatever. I, I'm just planted here today. Lord, give me the, let me give you the glory and honor today. Amen. And then the fourth point is our daily bread. Notice how it says, give us today our daily bread. He didn't say, give us our bread for the rest of the month or the rest of the week or, or the rest of my vacation or the rest of my retired life. He said, give us our bread today. He gives you enough for today. And I think that's where we mistakenly catch ourselves that, well, Lord, you didn't provide for me for next week. No, he said he's going to provide for your needs today. Amen. Today. Now, we should all be wise stewards and plan for the future and plan accordingly, use wisdom. But the word of God says he's going to meet your needs today. And I think that's what leads to most of us worrying about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow holds. None of us do. But if you can trust him to know that he's going to take care of your needs today, he'll take care of them tomorrow. Amen? Amen. I didn't hear that loud enough. Amen. 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 You know, there's, there's the scripture in, in, math, in uh, Deuteronomy. No, in Exodus. Exodus chapter 16 where manna was poured out for the Israelites. Remember when they were wandering in the desert and every morning they would awaken to manna, this white coriander substance, they said, and they would, God instructed them to go and harvest it every morning and gather enough for their family for one day, for one day only, except uh, the day before the Sabbath, they were to gather enough for a couple of days because they were not to pick any on the Sabbath. They were not to work on the Sabbath. And the reason why... He only wanted him to pick for that day is because it continues in the New Testament with Jesus' model prayer. I'm going to meet your needs today. Today. He was showing them that I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. I don't want you to worry about next week, next month, next year, what your future holds. I've got you today. And because I've got you today, I'm going to continue to gotcha next week, to get you next week. And you know what would happen if they gathered up all the, the coriander bread or the uh, manna? It would turn to maggots, they said. Ugh, nobody wants any of that. I'm not hungry anymore. But bread, bread is often used as a staple of life, right? It's, it's used uh, uh, as food generally. We, we consider bread to meet our needs. But in this situation where Jesus says, give us our daily bread, He's talking about more than just sustenance. He's talking about God being able to meet your physical need, your spiritual need, your emotional need. He's he's talking about being able to meet every need you have. And this is why it's so important to pray, Lord, give me our, our daily bread, my daily bread today. When we become dependent on our Father, we learn that He takes care of all of our needs. Not just... What, what we're going to eat at, at uh, In-N-Out or whatever. He, he takes care of all of our needs. Amen. Here's a, a great scripture that goes along with that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love that scripture because all of us, I don't care who you are, can, can become worry warts. We can worry about the future. And the Lord is wanting to remind you and I, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. God is going to give you what you need for today. And once you get by these 24 hours, guess what he's going to do tomorrow? He's going to do the same thing and meet your need. You keep doing what's right. You keep using the wisdom that he's given you. And he will take care of your needs. Those are physical needs. Now, let's go into the spiritual needs part of this, which is our fifth point. And this is the word debtors. Debtors. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors, the, the scripture says. Here's a, I want to point out something here in, in the Greek. It may not be important to you, but where he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The word as in the Greek, it means it's a, it's a conjunction making a point of comparison. And what it's saying is that, in other words, if we forgive others only a little and hold grudges, our Heavenly Father will only forgive you a little. And hold the grudge. That's what the word says there. The true meaning of that. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Have you ever had someone that's wronged you? Oh, that's a silly question. We all have. I don't care how young you are. Somebody has wronged you at school. Maybe it was a teacher. And the initial reaction is, oh, I'm going to remember that. I won't forget that. I'm going to remember that. I don't like you anymore. And really the Bible, the word of God here is saying, you need to forgive that person and don't hold any grudges and let go of that. And I've heard stories from some of you where you've gone back to people and said, you know, I need to apologize to you. I took this the wrong way and for a long time it bugged me. And now I've been set free of that and I just want you to forgive me of that. There is power in forgiveness. How many would agree with that? Amen. There is power in forgiveness. Learn to forgive a lot. Don't hold on to grudges. Because I'll tell you, they, they start little, but they become monsters. They can become strongholds. They can defeat you. They can tear you down if you allow little grudges, little grievances to form in your spirit. The Lord is reminding us, Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Help us to forgive each other. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 through 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins. Let me say that again. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. But Pastor Rick, I came to the Lord and asked him to forgive me. But I can't forgive this gentleman over here because he, he stole from me. He, he, I gave him 5000 bucks and he never gave it back to me or he did this to me. Well, Bible's clear. If you don't forgive that person, the Lord's not going to forgive you. He may have wronged you, but that resentment you're holding is preventing you from growing into that believer that God wants you to become. I'm going to tell you right now, God will not forgive you if you have wronged somebody and you're holding grievance or maybe they've wronged you and you're angry at them. Get it settled. Get it settled first and then 
the Lord will forgive you. In fact, he'll pour out forgiveness upon you like never before. Amen. And then the sixth point, keep us from temptation. Oh boy, that one's tough, huh? Temptation comes in so many different forms and shapes and sizes. And I'm talking about food, right? Food, food is a temptation to most of us. Uh, keep me away from those buttercream cheese danishes, I say, in Napa. Uh, that's my weakness there. That's my temptation. But uh, I, I love them. Eh? Amen. I love them. Sometimes we flirt with temptation. We don't seek it, but we're attracted to sinful things because sin is pleasurable. Okay? There is no doubt that sin is pleasurable. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many people sinning. Amen? And oftentimes, if our resistance is low, when we're not prayed up, when our spiritual tank is running on empty, because we've been so busy throughout the week that we haven't read the Word of God, we haven't taken the time to pray, and we're low in spiritual strength, we can fall prey to temptation. What is your temptation? Only you know what that is. You can fall for that temptation in the middle of that. You can be dragged away and enticed by your own evil desire, as James put it. The prayer says, lead us not into temptation. It helps us, or it's really telling us, quit flirting with sin. Quit putting yourself in a situation that you know you may sin. Well, then quit doing it. Quit going there. Quit going over there. I mean, if, you're, if it's causing you to sin, quit it. Amen? It's pretty simple. Lead us not into temptation. The Lord, how many believe the Lord can give you the strength to overcome that temptation? Amen. I've seen that in my life. You have seen that in your life. But here's the other thing, of, the other part of this. Some of you are ashamed of your, of your past and are afraid to open them up to God himself as if God doesn't even know about it. Let me remind you again. God sees all, hears all, and is aware of all. It's not news to him. Get it, get it recognized. Get it straight with God. Just lay it out and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my past. The miracle of the cross is that he cares about us in spite of what we have done, in spite of where we have been. He cares about us. And this is the part that reminds us to call upon the Father for strength when we're tempted. Next time you find yourself tempted whether it's food, whether it's an, an addiction of some type, pray for strength right there. Just stop and say, Lord, I need your strength right now. And I need it right now. And um, you don't need to say, oh, Heavenly Father, I enter into your prayer. Just pray. Just pray right there. And he'll help you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're battling with. Amen. Amen. The Father is your helper. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our helper. He is your helper to help you live a righteous life. He knows your weakness and he knows my weakness. And he wants us to be free and he wants us to make us whole. Amen. He wants you and I to be complete in him. The scripture says in James chapter 1 and verse, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance consider it pure joys 
when you face trials and temptations are trials. Um, because you know that the testing of your faith develops, develops perseverance. The Lord is going to give you the strength to overcome that. The Lord is going to walk with you. Amen? And then we get to the emotional needs of the model prayer that Jesus prayed for us. At the end, notice how he states, and deliver us, deliver us. You may say, deliver us from what? Deliver us from what, Lord? What, what do I need to be delivered from? I'm, I'm a born-again believer. I'm doing the best I can. I live for you. I go to church. I read the Word of God. I pray. Deliver us from what? Well, I think you'd all agree with me that we're all in a spiritual battle every day. Every day, you and I are facing a spiritual battle with our enemy. And we battle against an enemy that is unseen, that wants to fire darts at you, spiritual darts to harm you. And the Bible says that he will deliver you. The Lord will deliver you from the enemy. Lord, deliver us from the evil one, not just our own temptation, but deliver us from the enemy that is unseen. See, in our own selves, we're no match for him. We think, well, I'm strong, Pastor Rick. I'm a, I'm a strong believer. Let me tell you right now, you are not a match for Satan without Almighty God on your side. We call out to God for deliverance to rescue us in the middle of our trial, in the middle of our storm. See, when Jesus prayed this prayer, he knew he was heading to the cross. He knew he was, he willingly went to the cross. And it's a call of emotion, a cry of emotion, a cry from the heart that Jesus declared. It's very similar to his own prayer in the garden where he said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. His physical part, Jesus, the man said, man, I know what I got to face. If it's possible, take this from me. But he willingly went obedient as a servant to the cross, the Bible says. He went. In closing, I just want to give you a few prayer examples. As you look at the model prayer of our Father, maybe you're, hopefully you're looking at it with, a, with different eyes now. You're looking at it with, with a different sense of how you can pray this prayer now as it relates to your personal needs. Maybe you could pray something like this. Lord, as I go throughout my day, keep me away from situations that might cause me to end up sinning. I think that's important for all of us. Lord, I want to live this day for you. Don't let anything cross my path that may wind up giving a victory to the enemy of my soul. Or it could be, Lord, I'm on my way to work and the folks there are going to try to get me to compromise my faith. I can handle some of them, but don't let me get in over my head. I don't want to compromise your kingdom and I don't want to compromise my faith. These are all sample model prayers that we can pray as we learn to step into his presence. Remember, Heavenly Father, I love you. If you start a prayer like that, you, you, get, you get God's ear. You get God's attention. If it's, if it's just an immediate prayer of, Lord, I want this, I want that. He's not your genie in a bottle. You know, he's a, he's a heavenly father that wants to meet your needs. But there is a process. Be honest with God about your feelings. It's pointless to try to hide anything from him. He sees all. And sees all. He knows what you're thinking this very moment, right now. He knows what you thought five minutes ago. He knows what you're going to think five minutes from now. 
He knows you're waiting for Pastor Rick to finish this sermon. <laughs> the bottom line is pray. If you're tired, sick, emotionally overwhelmed, pray. If you're on cloud nine and life seems perfect, pray. If you lack direction, pray. If you doubt that prayer makes any difference, pray. If the circumstances of your life are out of your control, pray. If the circumstances of your life seem well within your control, pray even harder. Whatever you do, pray. Let's stand. Stand with me this afternoon as we close. God is so good, isn't he? God is so good. And I love this, this prayer, this model prayer that Jesus gave us. I don't want you to look at it as just a prayer to say, to recite. Use it as a model of how to pray. Each of you have your own individual lives, individual battles that you face, individual struggles at home, at work, with retirement, and, and so many other things in the, in the day and age that we face. But God wants you to share those with him. God wants you to be transparent with him. He wants you to say, hey, Jesus, take the wheel. Help me with this. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I, I said that a long time ago. Lord, I don't want to do this on my own. This is your church. I always say, this is your church, Lord. These are your people. This is your family. And when I have that attitude, God shows up in an amazing way. God shows up and he takes care of all of our needs. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, again. Heavenly Father, we enter into your presence right now. And I would invite you to come up. If you want prayer, just come on up. But Lord, as we invite your presence right now, we declare, Holy God, that you are our God, our King, our Creator, the one that loves us, the one that loves me, the one that has given me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance at life. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness, for forgiving me. I thank you for forgiving my brothers and sisters here, my family. I thank you for giving us a new life in Christ. I thank you for the blessings that come with that, that you've saved us from so much heartache of living out in the world without you, of living and, and facing life without you. Lord, when grief strikes, when, when death strikes, we have you to bring us comfort. Lord, when we're emotionally spent, you give us your strength. Because the Bible says when we are weak, you are strong. Lord, we thank you, God, that you breathe life into us every morning. And that you allow us to do it all over again. And do it even better than the day before. Thank you, Father. I pray, God, that you would help us every day of our life to pray and just speak to you. And sometimes that means stopping with our words and listening to that still small voice as a response. Listening to what you're speaking into our heart. And Lord, I truly believe that you speak into our heart when we come to you first, that you will speak back into our heart. And I pray that that would become 
true in this season for everyone here, everybody watching, that our prayer life would grow and increase and abound in you, Father, that your will would be done in our life. Thank you, Jesus, that you would give us our daily bread. Lord, that you would help us to forgive our debtors as you have forgiven us, that we would hold no grudges, Lord. Lord, that you would keep us from temptation. Lord, that you would deliver us from evil. I pray that, Father, for everyone here in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.